before we do that, will you welcome today, we have church family joining us in Indiana, Utah, Texas, Latvia, Oregon, Sacramento, San Jose, all the way out in Germany. Come on, put your hands together and welcome our church family. Welcome today. All over LA County, right here in the valley, people are joining us online. We're starting a series called Crossing Over, and I mentioned it when Pastor Mark was up here. I really feel like that You know, sometimes God will use moments and things in your own life to say things to you and to teach you things. And as I'm stepping into the, now in my 50s, um, which is weird to say, uh, I got to tell you that God has been stirring my heart. And sometimes we come to moments where I would call a crossing over moment. We step from one season into a new season. Pastor Mark is stepping into a new season. I feel like as a church that we're about to step into a new season. We're opening a new campus in Canyon Country, but it's not the only one. There are more that are going to come. I I have a vision for Antelope Valley. I have a vision for San Fernando Valley. I have a vision for Ventura. I believe God is going to launch more campuses. We're going to see God do great things. I believe we're stepping into a new season. And I want to tell you that God has more for you than where you are. He says that, that I, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts of a hope and a future. He says there are things that, that eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Your mind hasn't even conceived the things that I've prepared for you. And so I believe God has more. Come on, somebody say more. more. How many would say, if God has more, I want more. more? Amen. And so I want to take a story in the Bible. You know, the Bible tells us that the children of Israel were taken out of Egypt into the wilderness and then it came to the wilderness and when they got to the to the 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 promised land that God had promised them the first time they didn't cross over and so they went back into the wilderness for 40 years and had to come back 40 years later and finally crossed over when they crossed over they got into the land and they began conquering God's promises. Let me just stop and tell you, there's an interesting thought here that God has promises for us, but he expects us to go fight for him. And so they went and fought for their promises. They had been in the promised land for a season. And then Joshua stood up in front of the people and told them something very profound. And I want you to read it with me. Will you stand to your feet? Son and Joshua, and I want you to read it. Joshua 18. He stood before the people after they'd stepped into the promised land. And here's what he said. And I want you to read it with me. All of you joining us online in Latvia and wherever you are um, around the country and the world. Let's read it together. Ready? Here we go. Then Joshua asked them, how long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given to you? Point is, is there's more. And a lot of times we step into part of what God has for us. There's a lot of people that get saved and they get forgiven of their sins, but they haven't stepped into total freedom. They haven't attained all that God has for them. And I believe that God has more. So I believe God wants us to cross into his promises. And we're going to learn what, what, in, what is involved to cross over. How many would say amen to you are ready for more? I just want to say it to you today. How long are you going to wait? to take possession of all the land, of every promise. I don't know about you, but I'm in a season in my life right now where I'm like, God, I'm all in. I'm going to let the last season of my life be the best season of my life. I want to get every part, every piece of God's promise for me and my descendants. So let's close our eyes and pray. God, this is not just a message. It's not just a talk. God, I believe this is a a prophetic call challenging us 
for more, for to step into, to cross over into all, to attain every promise. So Lord, we're ready, we're hungry. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Chris. You know, as a church, we're getting ready to step into a new season. We're starting our Canyon Country Campus. And, and I just want to say, not only are we having a special event t- tonight, an outpouring at our new location that we're meeting at, which is a beautiful theater. You're going to love the theater. But tomorrow night on Monday evening, right here at Higher Vision Church in the MPR, we're looking for people who will say, I want to be a part of the team. Now, there's different ways you can be a part of the team. Some is you can say, I want to be on, uh, on the team to volunteer. I'm going to help with the setup and tear down, or I'm going to be an usher. I want to be a greeter. I want, I want to serve in kids' ministry. I want to be involved. I want to help. But, you know, there's other ways to help. One of the ways you can help is say, I want to be one of the core families that this church is built on. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here are from Canyon Country? Raise your hand. Lift it up high. All right, we've got, look at just in this service alone, and you go across the, the, the spectrum of all of our campuses, all of our services, I think we have somewhere around five to 700 people coming from Canyon Country. So we're looking for families to say, you know what, I would like to save 25 minutes of driving one way. I'd love to save whatever that is, 50 minutes of my day on Sunday, and I will be an anchor family, a foundational family. I'm going to attend there. I'm going to pray. I want to be a part of the prayer team that's going to be praying over that region. I want to be a part of the outreach team. So we're going to have a special meeting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. I'm going to cast some vision. Pastor James, who's the point person, is one of our executive members of the team, is going to be overseeing that. And we're going to be talking about that tomorrow night. So if you're interested, join us at 7 o'clock in the MPR for an interest meeting for Canyon Country. We'd love to have you there. You know, as I began to think about this passage, the children of Israel get to the promised land and they don't cross over. They miss out on what God has for them. In fact, they go into the wilderness and they all end up dying in the wilderness and their kids end up coming back and they're the ones that go in and take possession. And as I began to read and think about this story, the Lord showed me some things for my own life that I hope will challenge you concerning your life and your future. And as a church, Moses stood up in front of the people and he starts to tell them why they didn't cross over the first time. And so I want to give you a couple reasons today of, of why we need to cross over. And, uh, and so I want to read to you this, the passage. He stands up in front of the people and he says, you didn't go in and here's why. Because when the Lord heard your, what's the next word? Complaining, he became very angry. So he solemnly swore Not one of you from this wicked generation will live to see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except who? Caleb. He will see this land because he has followed the Lord completely. And the Lord was also angry with me because of you. This is Moses speaking. He said to me, Moses, not even you will enter the promised land. Instead, your assistant, Joshua, will lead the people into the land. Now, let me just stop right here and say, when I read this, I see three groups of people. I see a new generation, because the older generation, in general, weren't able to go in and take the land, because of their lack of faith, because of their complaining, all of these things. And so, I see a new generation that's going to go into the land, and I see people from the older generation. I see a Caleb. So I see the new generation, I see certain people from an older generation, and then I see what I would call an area of leadership, because Joshua became the leader. 
In fact, he told Joshua, Moses, your servant is dead. Now stand up and lead your people into the land. So there are three groups that we see that cross over. We see that there's a new generation. I want to say if you're here and you're in a younger generation in high school, you're a young adult, you're uh, whatever generation Z, generation Y, millennials, whatever you want to say, that God has things for you. There are things that you're going to step in and take possession of that God has called you to. But not only has he called us to reach the next generation, he's called some of us in this generation to cross over. How many of you want, want to be someone that crosses over? And then he's called people to leadership. So we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. And I want to begin by telling you what really matters if you're going to cross over into every promise. And here's the first point. If you're taking notes, those of you joining us online, the first way that we cross over is you have to understand that your words matter. Your words matter. Look at what it says. God said, uh, Moses tells us that when the Lord heard their complaining, he said, you're not going in. In other words, think about it. Their words stopped them from getting everything God had promised them. Well, I thought it was my disobedience. No, our words matter. Joshua said, God said, Joshua and Caleb, they're going to go in because they had different words. We'll, we'll learn their words in a minute. But our words make a difference. In fact, let me tell you what their words were. Here's what the Bible tells us in, in Deuteronomy. It says, you complained in your tents and said, the Lord must hate us. Can I stop right there and say a lot of us park right there? We go through a problem. We face a challenge. Someone gets sick in our family. We go through a challenge in our marriage. We lose our job. Someone talks about us. Someone in leadership disappoints us. Well, God, you must not really love us. And then what happens is we park right there. We stop right there. And then what happens is out of that moment, out of that place, flow our words. Lord, you must hate us. That's why you brought us up, out from Egypt. Now think about that a minute. You literally delivered us from Egypt to bring us where? To a place where the Ammonites are going to slaughter us. Where can we go? Our brothers have demoralized us with their report. They tell us the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are, and their towns are large, with walls rising high into the sky, and we even saw giants there. You can kind of hear them saying it, can't you? It's interesting. Look at that. Our brothers' words, their report, affected us to the point that we are not going in. Your words matter. Now, what is he talking about? The 12 spies, remember? Before they went into the promised land, they said, hey, let's send spies in to scout out the land. And when the spies come back, 10 of the spies used their words to speak negative report, or negative report. And two spies, by that way, Joshua and Caleb, who go in, their words were different. They spoke in faith, and they went in and achieved and received all that God had for them. See, it's interesting because when I look at this, the bottom line is their words stopped them from God's promises. And why? It was because they repeated what they heard. And I think that's part of the problem in our words often is we repeat the wrong words rather than the right words. 
You know, it's funny, as I was talking to someone, you guys got a little quiet on me now. You're still awake? Just making sure the rain's kind of calming us down. So, you know, it's funny, as I was, I was, when I was a younger pastor, I was on the phone with someone, um, this, this uh, dad, and his family was kind of in the room running in and out. One of the younger kids, probably five years old, comes in. And what was crazy is uh, he had it on speaker. And as he's on speaker, his, his uh, little child came up and started to ask him, I want to do this, or can I go there? And he's like, no, you can't. And suddenly over the speakerphone, I heard, dad, I want to do it. And he's like, no, you can't go tell your, you know, no, I want to. And suddenly the child goes blankety blank and said a bad word. And I, I couldn't see him, but I could feel the red in his face coming through the phone because his child who's five years old, just said a really bad word in front of the pastor. And so he goes, oh, oh pastor, I'm so sorry uh, about that. I don't know where he heard that. (laughs) Of course, I'm like, no, no no worries. But I probably do know where he heard that because we end up repeating what we hear. And the question is, is what are you listening to? Because I'm going to tell you, if you're going to step into God's promises, are you going to listen to the 10 spies are you, listen, are you going to listen to the inner dialogue of the enemy who's the accuser of the brethren, who's speaking in your head that you'll never accomplish anything, that you'll always be in this place, that God doesn't love you, that he's forgotten you? Are you going to repeat the verses and the, the voices that the enemy tells you or the people that are around you that aren't believers, that don't have faith? And so you find yourself saying things like, well, I guess we'll never get out of debt. Or, you know what, I'm always going to have a bad marriage. Or, you know what, I'm never going to be the one to get that promotion. Or my kids are never going to listen to me. And we end up not realizing that our words, the Bible says that our words speak life or death. I had someone come up to me afterwards and they said that their child did an experiment with that and took um, these things and put them in a, a bowl of rice to grow and they would literally take the, the two different pieces and they would over, put their hand in the same location, they'd put their hand on one and they'd speak life over it and then the other one they'd speak death over it and they said the crazy thing was the one that they spoke death over turned black and did nothing. It was a science project. The Bible says that our words speak life or death. The question is, is what are you listening to? The problem is, is that we end up saying things and talking in certain ways. And then what happens? We become our own self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm always going to struggle with this. I'm always going to struggle with my weight. I'm never going to find someone that loves Jesus And we begin to speak words and we rehearse it and then we nurse it rather than reverse it. Come on. Now, let me just stop and say, I'm not here to tell you that I'm speaking and preaching a name it, claim it mentality that you just have to say it. And if you say it, it'll happen. But I do want to say this, that there's power in our words. (laughs) The problem is, is, is this is not always the case because we believe it sometimes. The loudest voice is not always the right voice. The loudest voice is not always the the right voice. And what I want to say is that 
that if you'll get the right voices, if they had listened to the two instead of the ten, let me tell you what the two, Joshua and Caleb said. In Numbers chapter 1, here's what they said. The others said the land is too, too big, the people are too big, the, the walls are too high, they're too strong, and, and we're never going to do it. But then there were two guys that said something different, and here were their words. The land is an exceedingly good land, and he will bring us into the land and give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. Their protection has departed, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Isn't it interesting that the people that said that, they went into the land. But the people that had the negative words, the doubtful words, the fearful words, the we can't do it words, never achieved the promise. Never. They died in the wilderness. That's why the Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen. You see, I believe that God wants us to be people who instead of saying, well, if God wanted to bless me, I guess he could. If God wanted to heal me, I guess he could heal me. You know, I believe that God is a God who knows the power of words, knows the power of speech. You see, when God created the world, he didn't go, you know what, this is great, I'm going to make the world. You know what the Bible says? That when he created the world, he spoke, let there be light and there was light. God is a God who speaks. In fact, can I just say the one thing he sent to us of everything in the universe was his word. Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He could have sent anything, but he sent his word. And what does the scripture say in Romans? Romans says that he calls things that are not as though they are. There's another passage that says that the words I will keep in my mouth. And the point I want to make is that God created by speaking. And I believe that God is wanting to do things in your life. He's wanting to do things at higher vision in this city, but he's waiting for somebody to say something, to declare something. I'll give you an example in the Bible. Remember the, the, the man blind Barnabas. He was on the road by Jericho. Jesus comes into town. And as he comes into town, blind Bartimaeus says, Hey, Jesus, have mercy on me. And everyone's like, Shh, be quiet. Finally, he keeps shouting and Jesus says, Bring him to me. And so what happens? They lead a blind man to Jesus. Now, now see the vision. See the, the, what's happening here. They take a blind man. He can't see. They lead him to Jesus. They bring him to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, Hi there. Um, what do you want me to do for you? Now, when he says that, don't you kind of think like, hello, McFly, you are the son of God. It's pretty obvious. He's blind. They just let him over here. But Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? I don't think it's an accident that he said that. I think he did it on purpose. Why? Because when he asks the question, the man says, I want you to make me see. Could it be that God is wanting to do things in your life, but he's wanting you to recognize that you need it so that you'll declare with your words that, God, I need you to change the city of Canyon Country. I need you to heal my broken body. What do you need to say? Because your words matter. In fact, can I just make a, make a statement? I've discovered that people who talk about a big God, see God do big things. People who talk about a big God, see God do big things. So again, my question is, what do you need to say? Can I tell you, that's why we're going 
to Canyon Country High School Theater this Sunday night at six o'clock for an outpouring, not because that we want to go to out and do an outpouring over there. We'd rather do it here. We've got all of this stuff already set up. They had to go yesterday and set up equipment and spend all day doing it and working hard. And why not just do it here? We've got everything ready to go. We got more seats. Everything's great. No, we're going there. Why? Because we're going to begin to worship. We're going to begin to pray. And we're going to begin to make some declarations, believing that God is going to see lives change. Believe that people are going to come. And I got, I was over there with our team and we were in the theater and it was when school was ending and I just stood there and I watched the families pouring in and out of there and my heart began to just grow with, with passion, with passion and, and, and desire to see, man, that life could be changed and oh, that life could be changed and man, what would happen if that family got changed and look at all the people. You see, God is calling for some people who will declare God's promises who will declare that he's a big God, who will declare, I want to see, who will declare, God, save my neighborhood, that will declare, God, save my family. You see, when we look in this story, the people that cross over, cross over because they've realized that their words matter. So one last time, what do you need to say? Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Second thing in the story is this, and that is, your attitude matters. Your attitude. I want to read a verse to you, and this verse is profound because God begins to talk about Caleb. He begins to talk about the people who didn't go in, and then he talks about the people who did go in, and when he defines the people that went in, watch what he says. He says, but my servant Caleb, now he had already said the people that didn't go in, they, they were negative, they were complaining, um, they didn't believe, but let me tell you about the ones that did come in. Let me define who they are and, and give you some characteristics of who they are. My servant Caleb has a different what? Has a different what? An attitude. He's got a different attitude than the others. He has remained loyal to me. Now, we're going to talk about that phrase in a minute. And I'm going to show you another, um, uh, I believe, attribute of what it means to have a, the right attitude. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he has explored. His descendants, we're going to come back to this, his descendants will possess their full share of that land. You know what's the power about this word attitude? Here's what the word attitude means. The word attitude in the um, Hebrew there is a word called ruah, and the word ruah is spirit. Other translations basically say it this way. God says, you know my, my, my servant Caleb, he has a different spirit about him. Come on, have you met people that just kind of carry a certain spirit? Yeah. Right? Let me show you some examples. Here, here's someone that carries a spirit. <laughs> How many would say that his spirit is the spirit of innocence? Yeah. Right? He's just innocent. He might also carry a little bit of spirit of gluttony too. Come on, come on, Because <laughs> he loves honey. Right? And so he's always happy because he's always eating. I don't know. Some of you, some of you understand. You like to eat and it makes you happy. Okay. But let me show you another one. Here's another spirit. His name even defines it. What's your name? Eeyore. He's the pessimist, isn't he? How was your day? Could have been better. Have you ever met people that carry a spirit of pessimism? Right? I mean... They always see the, the, the bowl as half empty. 
instead of half full? If he carries his spirit. Let me show you another spirit. Ooh-hoo-hoo-hoo. The wonderful thing about tickers is tickers are a wonderful thing, right? The tops are made out of rubber. The bottoms are made out of spring. He's always happy, right? So what's the plan? I don't know, but we'll figure it out. Have you met people that are optimists and they, 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 they carry a spirit? But let me show you another one. Here's a, another spirit rabbit, the, the control freak, right? Have you ever met people that are control freaks? Some of you just proved it. You wouldn't raise your hand. And I, no, I say when I raise my hand. So I have to use that joke. Okay. Point is, is I, I use those little silly characters because they do represent people that carry a spirit. My, my, my question to you is, what is your spirit? What is your attitude? Because God says that people that inherit my promises have a different kind of spirit. And let me, let me explain that spirit. You know what the spirit that he had? He said that he remained loyal. You know what's interesting about the phrase remain loyal to me? It's a Hebrew phrase that's used six times in the Old Testament. And here's what it means. It means to close the gap. I'll define it this way. In other words, it's making the commitment to keeping the distance between you and the Lord at a minimum. So people who have a different spirit, people like Caleb, here's basically what they say. They say, I'm not going to let there be any distance between me and the Lord. I'm not going to let the challenges that face me cause me to allow distance between me and the Lord. When a problem comes or a tragedy comes, I'm not going to get upset and angry and blame God and let there be distance between me and the Lord. When I get busy with life and all the things I want to do and and get passionate about my my habits and my, 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 my gifts and things, I'm not going to let that create distance between me and the Lord. You know, sometimes the, the, the thing that really gets us is not the bad thing, it's the good thing. And I love it because what this really says is, it kind of reminds me of, remember Jacob when he was wrestling with the, the angel and, and the angel was trying to get away and he said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And he even went through pain. His hip was touched and it went out of socket, but he didn't let go. He was saying, I'm not going to allow any distance. And what happens? The Lord blesses him. Remember the story of Elijah and Elisha? And Elijah was about to, to go to heaven. He knew that he was going to be trans, transferred to heaven. He knew his time had come. And so he looks at Elisha, his servant, and he says, hey, his apprentice, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on and you need to stay here. And what does the servant say? No, no, no. I, that's literally what he says. I'm not going to let you out of my sight. And he follows him to Jericho and he follows him to, to Bethel. And eventually Elijah goes up in a chariot of fire and he's right there when it happens. And because he's right there, he gets a double portion of the blessing. Why? Because he decided I'm not going to let there be a gap. I'm not going to let there be distance. Let me ask you a question. What has caused distance between you and God? Because God says people who have a different spirit, they're committed to say nothing is going to separate me. Nothing is going to allow distance between me and God. Even when someone in the church disappointed me, even when I went through that trial, even though I'm sick right now and struggling physically, even though I've gone through that challenge, even though right now everything's going great and I'm so caught up in my life, I'm not going to let anything keep distance between me and God. God said that kind of spirit is the kind of spirit that's going to step in and take possession. It's going to cross over and receive more. Come on, if you want more, somebody say amen. amen. So, so one of the attributes of people who have a different attitude is they say, 
I'm going to be loyal. The second thing is, now I'm going to end with this. The other thing that, that was different about someone who crossed over, about this Caleb, is not only that he had a, the attitude of, I'm going to remain loyal, I'm going to keep the, keep the distance close between me and God. But the second thing was this, and you can see it in Joshua. In, in Joshua, and that is Joshua 14, 9. Remember, they go into the land, and they possess the land, and then Caleb goes to Joshua, and here's what he says. He said, Joshua, I'm reminding you of what Moses spoke over me. Because everybody else that was 45 years of age, they, weren't, they ended up going into the wilderness and dying in the wilderness. But God said to you and me that when we came back, that we were going to go in and take possession. And then he goes on to say, and Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land where your, uh, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance. He reminds Joshua. Remember God said that wherever I walked when I went into the promised land and I walked around that mountain that I said that's my mountain God said every feet every place I put my feet and by the way We're gonna talk about feet next week and we talk about vision next week He says everywhere you put your feet. It's yours to take hold of and possession of He said the Lord has kept me alive all these 40 years Did you know that it was exactly 40 years to the day that they walked into the wilderness from the time that they didn't cross over and he said, here I am now, 85 years old. And look what he says. And yet I am as strong today at 85 as on the day that Moses sent me. Now, give me my mountain. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. The point is, is that not only is that you remain loyal, that, that's the spirit, but the second spirit is that you finished strong. He finished strong. I'm thinking about being 50. I'm thinking about the, the next season in my life. And it's funny because <clears throat> Caleb says, I'm 85 and I'm ready to fight. And something inside of me says, I'm 50 and I'm ready to fight. It was funny because last weekend, you know, they told everybody I was turning 50. And so lots of people came up and said, congratulations. A lot of people said other things. <laughs> there, you know, people would come up and say, oh, congratulations for joining the club, the 50 club. And then they started telling me things. Like, you know, when you, go, when you turn 50, things change. <laughs> you know, things when you, when, you, when you get hurt and you break something, it doesn't heal like it used to. Come on, how many have heard that? It just stays broke. You walk with a limp. But it's okay. Congratulations, happy birthday. Have a good day. God bless you, Pastor Jerry. It's, it's hilarious, right? And people will say all this stuff. But then I had some people that are trying to be optimistic and they walk in and they're like, hey, Pastor, 50's the new 40. Yeah, I had someone tell me yesterday, 50's the new 20. You know what's funny is that phrase, 50s and new 40, you realize that that is just a regurgitation of what was said 4,000 years ago. Caleb came up with it. He said, 85's the new 40. In other words, what he said was he said, I'm as strong today as I was 40 years ago. And I'm telling you, there's this spirit that I believe God is wanting to release into his house, into his people that looks at situations. Because here's the bottom line. You can't stop your body from aging. 
but you can't stop your spirit from aging. And I have to say, as I stand before you, I had a lot, of, a lot of energy when I moved here when I was 35 years of age to plant this church. And I was full of energy and full of passion and full of drive. But I got to tell you, as I stand before you today, I'm not 35 or I'm not 25. And I got to tell you, I can't run as fast in my body well, as, today as I could when I was 25. But I'm going to tell you, in my spirit, I can run faster. I may not have as much testosterone and be as strong as I was in my body when I was 25, but I stand before you today. I've gone through some things. I've faced some battles, but in my spirit, I'm stronger today than I was 25 years ago. I thought I had some wisdom and some knowledge when I was 35, but I will stand before you and tell you today that I am wiser today in my spirit than I was 25 years ago. I'm telling you today that today I believe that I am ready to grab a sword. I'm ready to fight. I'm here to say, God, what is the mountain you want me to take? What is the city that we need to take? God, we're going after Canyon Country. We're going after Antelope Valley. We're going after San Fernando Valley. We're going after every place around the world. We've got a vision. God's begun to stir a vision in my heart to plant churches in Cambodia, in the Philippines, in Haiti, in Mexico, in Africa. I believe that our best days are before us. Our best days are not behind us. I don't care if you're 85, if you're 25, God has a call for you and there's still land for you to take. And I believe God is calling us to cross over into every promise that he has for us. Come on, somebody say amen. And here's why it's important. It's important today. And you know why it's important? Because the passage says, people who have that spirit, like a Caleb, I will bring him into the land he explored. Now, now here's the part, the truth that we need to grab. Because his descendants will possess their Full share. I want to pause for a minute. We, we started to talk about three groups of people. There's the new generation that's going to go in and take the land. There's an older generation that are called to lead them in. And then there's leaders. And we're going to talk about leaders next week. Do you realize that our tendency when we get to seasons of transition in our life well, my kids are out of the house. We're empty nesters. Well, you know, finally the kids are in school. We get to these moments and then here's our thought. Well, now it's time I can take a break. You know, I'm going to let the younger generation do it. I've paid my dues. You know what? I'm going to let those younger families, they're going to be the ones that give. I've done my giving. It's time for me to enjoy life a little bit. And if we're not careful, we turn into the 10 and not the two. And what I believe this story is telling us is that God's saying that the only way that the next generation, the Austins, the Macy's, the Emeralds, why don't you put in the name of your child? And then even if you don't have them, the grandchildren that are coming one day. The only way that they're going to get all, the full share of the possession of God's promises in their life is if you decide 
to stand up and take a sword. Because he said, when I bring you into the land, your children will get everything that I've called for them. I had a conversation with Pastor Chad. I want the worship team to come and get ready. I had a, I had a conversation with Pastor Chad. and Pastor Chad's overseeing our Kid Venture building. And I know some people are saying, Pastor, why are you guys spending so much money and so much time building out this thing for these kids? And, and, and I'll never forget, he was taking the project over. This, this building, I was the project manager for, basically. I mean, we had someone that worked for a company, but in a sense, for the church, I was the guy. I was here. I was here every day, early in the morning. Well, wait a minute, we need to move that, and wait, we've got to have electricity over here and, and all of this stuff. And, and so when we built this project, God gave us someone that could really do a great job with it, had the experience, and so I said, Chad, you're going to take it over. And so he's overseeing this project. He's also overseeing our remodeling project over at, Ken, at uh, Santa Paula right now. So he's got a lot on his plate, as well as being the facilities director, overseeing safety team and ushers, as well as being a campus pastor. Come on, how many know he's, he's busy? But I'll never forget, we went into Kid Venture several months ago, and as we were walking through, he's, he's so passionate. He's like, you know, Pastor, right here, we've got to move this electricity because we hadn't thought about that we're putting this in, and we have to have this light. And, and then he said, and you know, over here, we've got to make sure that we, we change the, the doors because the doors have to match with, you know, Kid Venture. It's 1930s, and it has to be. And suddenly I looked at him, like, Chad, what's happened to you? I'm like, you really care. He's like, you know, pastor, he's like, it hit me one day. He goes, when you first gave me this project, I'm like, okay, okay. You know, I got to make sure it gets done. But suddenly I started seeing the vision. And he said, when I started to see the vision, I started seeing my grandkids in here. He said, and then I started thinking about, well, what if the Lord doesn't return? And what if the next 50 years or 80 years that the, the thousands and thousands and thousands of children and kids that are going to walk through this place and, and discover God's adventure for their life and, and the purpose that he has for them. And he said, suddenly I, I, it became a passion. It became an obsession. And all I could think about is making sure that, that the paint is in the right color and that the, that the electricity is working correctly and that everything is exactly the way it needs to be. What is happening? He has a spirit of Caleb which says my attitude matters. But I can't sit back because the next generation is counting on me. And this weekend, I got to tell you, God has like put a fire in my belly that it's time to grab the sword. There's a church, it's time for us to grab the sword. That's why we're planning Canyon Country. Why? Because there's an inheritance to be taken. There are lives to be changed. And they depend on somebody. And you know who that somebody is? I believe it's you and it's me. So the question is, are you going to sit back and relax? Or are you going to say, my spirit is strong. In fact, I've got some wounds and some marks and some scars. And those aren't to say that I can't do it. Those are to say that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Because I'm still standing. There's still work to be done. Your words matter. And your attitude. What is your attitude? What is your heart? What is your spirit? I don't know about you. But I'm ready to cross over. I'm ready to cross over.